Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. Sports, entertainment, little to no culture. It's time for Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Ed Graney and Adam Hill. It it leaves things open for interpretation, you know. Of course. And so, um, you know, the buy-in for the coach. Do you feel like the buy-in for the coach there? And were you? Was there? Is there like anything in particular that you're upset about where maybe guys aren't out there playing right now that should be out there playing? No, no. When it comes to injuries, I've been through injuries, and there's some that you can play through, and there's some that you can't do anything about. Um, I was not talking about anybody like that, for sure. and for our coach, we, man, we love Josh. Hey, welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casinos, ST and Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders before entering the world of news and topics we find interesting. Here we go. Adam, you just heard Derek Carr speak on, you know, loving Josh Jacobs, excuse me, loving Josh McDaniels, probably loves Josh Jacobs as well, loving the coaches, didn't mean anything specifically about his comments on those who wouldn't play. Didn't mean anyone specifically in the locker room uh, has had injuries. Know that you can get past some and it takes others for a while to um, to heal. Uh, you heard those comments. W- what did you think about what you made of when he was asked after his comments after the game the other day about, uh, you know, calling calling into uh, question the commitment of some of the players? Yeah, I mean, I I think the more I've kind of thought about this and put it in perspective of what happened uh, with some of those comments after the game and then some of the follow-up, it was a very passionate and emotional locker room on Sunday. Uh, Clearly, there was some some disagreements and some, you know, some tensions running high between some of the players on Sunday in the locker room. Uh, and I think a lot of what we heard from both Devonta Adams and, and Derek Carr and some others uh, with their quotes after the game probably reflected a lot of that emotion kind of bubbling over into their um, into their quotes and their their comments to the media. So, um, you know, I, I know that there's frustration. I know that there's there's tensions and all those things. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to read too much into it because I know like a lot of people say things that are you know not their true feelings maybe, or maybe they're their true feelings and they just wouldn't ordinarily say them uh, in a situation like that, a highly charged environment where there, um, you know, may have been some, you know, some loud disagreements between some of the players just before those comments were made. So uh, I think that probably has a lot to do with some of the things that were said. And, you know, I talked to Darren Waller yesterday and, um, you know, he kind of said, look, we've, we've been teammates for a long time. We understand each other. If, if there is frustration, it's, you know, something that we can handle and we can get through and uh, we can talk about it and, and we're good uh, in terms of our relationship. And we're at a level where, you know, just like friends and, and family, you can, you can argue or disagree and, um, and, and still have a working relationship, still have a very good relationship, but maybe even a stronger relationship because of it. So uh, I think that's kind of the, the stance where they're at right now, that's kind of the company line and we'll see. But if, if the season continues to go the way it's going, like I wouldn't be surprised if there's more of these things. Uh, let me stop you right there. And we're going to go and hear what Darren Waller had to say yesterday to the media. Here's he, here's Darren Waller. If you were doing well, it'd be easier to just say, Hey, yeah. I mean, I get it, man. Like when it comes down to the season, not meeting expectations, uh, dude is probably signed a new shiny new contract and big expectations for him. You know, I'll, people could throw me under the bus, blame me. Uh, you know, um, 
that is what it is. That's how it's gonna be. So I know how I know how it goes, and I'm tough enough to handle it. How are you feeling? Um, better? Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like this uh, this time period of me uh, being on IR allows me to fully heal. Because it's like you go out back out there with that pressure and you know, continue to have uh, setbacks because uh, you know you're just like straining so hard to get back. So I feel like this uh, timing is you know it's frustrating. We look at it with belief beneath the surface. It's honestly a blessing to allow me to be healthy and then finish. I mean, obviously there was you know a story that you said got sent to you. Has anybody talked to you personally? Has anybody brought anything up to you? Uh, like in the nah. locker room, nobody's like said anything to you. Uh, nah, yeah, nah. Me and, me and Derek uh, talked about it yesterday. It was just like you know like we, we know each other. We know how we are showing up. We've been teammates for four years now. So uh, those kind of things don't uh, affect our relationship. We just know that that's the way things go sometimes. And, you know, just, like I said, we just try to take things personally. Is it, is it fuel to the fire, or is it? Or are you so ignoring it that it's not even? You don't even want to accept it to the point of like using it as fuel. Yeah, I don't really use things like that as fuel just because, you know, at the end of the day, the fuel's got to come from inside of me. You know, the fire's got to be inside of me. So, but yeah, things like that, I just kind of just take them in and it's like, man, I wish it was. I wish it wouldn't be painted that way. But at the end of the day, you know, you just let it pass. How about, I mean, it's hard to ignore. I, you talk about ignoring. I, I can't ignore it when I write stories. Like, say it's like, how do you ignore, like, social media and fan, just fans in general? Like, you don't want to ignore it. Or, but like just right. blocking out the negative people. oh yeah I mean I don't even allow it to have access to me I, somebody else runs my Instagram I don't think, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people know that but I'm not on my Instagram right. so I, I literally have no access to that noise I don't have the ESPN out on my phone I don't have notifications set up so I'm, I'm, I'm like that Like, I, is that on purpose? yeah it's definitely to because uh, because me, I just I just know how my brain works. I know I'm somebody that's going to compare myself to other people. I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, worry and get into fear and be like, oh man, like, am I, am I not good enough? You know, I, I know how my brain works. So I set things up for me to uh, stay as even killed as possible. Kind of taking it as advice because I'm the I'm the same. <laughs> hey, bro, we humans, bro. That's, that's just how it is. But when did you start? When did you start having somebody else do that? Has that always been your thing? Um, that hasn't always been a thing. I've always struggled. I always struggle with it because I'd be on Instagram. I'm like, man, I don't even want to be on here. But I feel like I'm just on here to impress people. Um, so then I had some people from uh, my marketing company do that after uh, I read this, I read a book. Uh, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If anybody wants to check it out, it's a book by a Christian pastor. Talked about all those things and just, um, you know, it, it really worked for me. Just taking, getting notifications off my phone, getting apps off my phone. It's just like, just more present, just more in the moment. Well, you did write the, uh, col- the uh, story on Darren Waller for today's paper. Um, expound a little on what you already said, though, because he gave a lot of quotes about um, social media, where he's at in his life right now, how these things don't tend to, you know, put him over the edge. Um, I thought he came off as, uh, you know, really introspective about it. And, you know, uh, someone who has been through a lot and probably doesn't put a lot of stock in things that, you know, he can't control. Yeah, we actually kind of talked about uh, the effects of social media and the effects of, of outside comments. And this wasn't an outside comment. This is something from somebody in his own locker room. And it's, you know, reports about who the target of those comments were, that they were him. And uh, so it's not social media necessarily, but it is, you know, outside noise. It's distractions. It's it's things that get in the way of you doing what you have to do on a day-to-day basis. And obviously for him, it's A, get healthy physically from, you know, from his injury right now, but also B, continue to, to stay healthy mentally, which has been a, a battle for him. And he said the, the social media stuff has been a real problem for him in the past in terms of, you know, believing it both good and bad. I mean, I think a lot of times we talk about the negativity on social media, 
uh, Derek was talking about the positivity and saying, you know, there was times where, you know, you can, you can even mute or block people that say negative things and only get positive commentary. And all of a sudden you're believing your own hype because everything you hear is positive. Like that, that can also be, be toxic to somebody who's, um, you know, who's you know, a human being and who has flaws and, and all those other things. So I, I think that's, that's part of the social media stuff that's overlooked. Sometimes the positive side sometimes can be a little bit too much. And he said, you know, like many people have, have commented on, uh, he read a book that kind of helped him through this, but he said, you know, he realized one time he doesn't even like Instagram. He was just on it all the time because he wanted to post things and impress people and make himself look good. And people say, Oh, look at what he has. Look what he's doing. Look how awesome that is. And uh, he said, that's not real. And and he wants to make sure that, you know, he, he lives a real life and not a fake social media life, which uh, was a lesson for a lot of us. I told him, like, I, I, I've dealt with that of, you know, sometimes you welcome negativity in social media as I often do. And, and then sometimes you sit there and say, man, why am I doing this? This sucks. Why all these people saying these things about me? Like, this is not fun. And so I think a lot of people deal with that. And he's, he's been mature enough to, you know, to block that out of his life. He said he got rid of all the apps from his phone. He has somebody else manage all the social media accounts. So it's probably a very smart lesson. It's just one I'm never going to learn. No, you won't. Uh, you're too much into it. You never put the phone down. Um, let me ask you this. Is there any doubt in your mind Derek Carr wasn't talking about Darren Waller? I think he's talking about a lot of people, but um, certainly Darren Waller was was among them. Um, but I think he was talking about a lot of people, and and I I would hope so because you know some of the comments if if you take what Derek Carr said and say this was directed only solely mm-hmm. at Darren Waller, there's some very troubling statements. And so I, I would like to think that he was directing at a lot of different people, or at least several people in the locker room and not just one a 25 20 let's get to the game um 25 20 indianapolis do we do we have to well jeff sunday came into uh <laughs> came into uh las vegas and got himself his first win uh used to be jeff saturday but after that we're going to give him the nickname jeff sunday after coming in and winning um once again oh and six now in one score games they just can't seem to finish game even though in all six they've had the ball to either win or tie at the end and it just becomes this broken record each week. Last year, they were seven and two in one score games. Um, I thought they got, you know, fortunate down the stretch. We don't remember, you know, how many things had to happen for them to win those four straight games and for them to make the playoffs. But they just can't, for whatever the reason, get over the hump in these one score games. And I think each week it's, you know, it's something different. Um, this week it was as easy. And I know you wrote about this late in the game uh, as the culture driving um, you know, there's a fumble force and Darian Butler has the ball. He doesn't, he doesn't fall on it right away. It squirts back to the Colts. They recover next game, next play when a uh, game winning touchdown. It just seems like over and over, they can't make the play that allows them to win one of these close games. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and look, uh, people that listen to our podcast weekly, I think know this, like the team wasn't good last year. They just, they just weren't all the underlying numbers. Everything would suggest that they weren't a very good team. And uh, for those reasons, we kind of thought, you know, th- they, you know, we've used the term fool's gold and that they, they kind of backed their way into something that wasn't real. And then, but then treated the off season, like they, like it was real. Like they did have something to build on. Like they were a playoff team. Look, factually they were a playoff team, but that they were, you know, a legitimate contender that they could just add a couple pieces to and be a Super Bowl contender. And that just wasn't the case with this team. And so, um, I thought it was a mistake in the off season and, and clearly right now it looks like it is because if it is a rebuilding process, they're now a year behind, 
that rebuilding process. Uh, but yeah, they, they've, they've had close games. They've had chances to win. They haven't been able to. And a lot of times those things are, you know, I, I know the argument. Some people say, Hey, that's just good coaching and good, you know, good toughness. Um, I'm more of the opinion that it's more for the most part uh, it's, it's kind of luck and flukiness. And even, you know, when, when close games are that way, and I'm not saying this is the case with the Raiders games, but in the, in most cases, close games are actually decided by an official. Like it's not, it's not even a team one way or the other. Uh, but you look at all the you know, things that broke their way last year, they just aren't breaking their way this year. And, you know, some of the, some of the, the things that really went well, like, you know, playing back backup quarterbacks or playing teams that were severely injury depleted or playing a Cleveland Browns team that had like 30 guys on the sidelines. Um, those things just aren't happening uh, this season. And, and, you know, you're seeing the results of that, but um, I, I understand why people are frustrated because they, they, they saw a playoff team on the surface and didn't look below the surface to see what was really there. And, you know, I think a lot of people fell victim to that. I, I'm looking back now at a lot of takes from before the year where, you know, while we were saying they weren't that good, like other people, national people, even people that are on the beat were saying like, wow, this is, this is a, this is a great team and they put the right pieces in place and now it's going to go over the top. And that just was never the case. So uh, I think it sucks for fans that were kind of duped into that a little bit, but this just was never, never the team that people thought they were. Yeah. Um, there's one metric out there that, uh, um, uh, measures wins above what the projection was, and it had the Raiders. I don't think you're going to uh, be surprised at this as the luckiest team in the NFL last year. Yeah, of course. It's I mean that 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 adds up, and that that's that's a- absolutely true of what it was. And you know, people that think you're going to get lucky like that on that level two years in a row usually are mistaken. That was possible. It's possible to have a real uh, run that lasts two or three years. That's what happens with things that are short sample size or fluky. Uh, we call them static. Uh, you know, we call, sorry, not they're not static uh, in the you know when you're looking at statistics, and um, those are things that tend to change drastically. Now, again, when things are that you know fluid and, and fluctuate that much, you could it could go your way two, three, or four years in a row. Like that's the nature of of those kind of stats, but they usually don't. And I think the Raiders are learning. That. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas, so download the STN Sports app today. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying liquid death in the vending machine. So I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get liquid death at your local Smith's, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. What stood out to you last week more that Matt Ryan could start when he wasn't supposed to and go 21 of 28 for 222? Uh, I don't think any one of us were surprised at Jonathan Taylor. He ripped off that big, uh, shredded him for that big run. 
Um, you know, uh, Josh Jacobs held the 78. Did something in covering that game stand out to you of why the Colts were able to stay in this under our first year, you know, first time coach and first time play caller and all that, you know, we made fun of with their, with their, uh, you know, sideline. Yeah, but I think the Matt Ryan thing was interesting. I I did look back on my tweet from last Thursday where I said it looks like, you know, the based on the betting market and how a lot of people are reacting to this game, it appears Matt Ryan is going to start. And I thought that tweet looked foolish on Friday when the Colts announced that Ellinger was going to start. Uh, but, you know, I, it seemed the, the trends were pointing toward Matt Ryan starting that game. And then they, you know, they pulled the quote-unquote surprise and actually put him on the field. And I think that was a bit of a boost. He played pretty well uh, for them. But I think the biggest thing, and, you know, I, I think we all underestimated this going into the game, but um, Jeff Saturday thought that there was a couple of things he could do to make the biggest, one of the biggest, and I think probably the biggest question mark for the Colts all season long has been their offensive line, which was supposed to be great, has been great, and just wasn't this year. They were terrible. And that was the biggest thing missing from them. Jeff Saturday, of course, a veteran offensive lineman. He's an, an supposedly an expert. I think he is an expert on offensive line play. And the reason they put him in the job, they said, was because he had a couple of ideas for how to fix it. Now, I thought that would be a process that could take some time. It looked like he made a couple of adjustments to the offensive line that really changed things. And that's what they were missing. They were a good defense. They have good skill position players. They just couldn't block anybody. And they blocked people last week. And part of that is the Raiders you know, allowing that to happen. The Braiders put themselves in some bad run fits here and there. They didn't get much pressure uh, in the game. And, you know, they paid the price for it because the Colts offensive line played at a level that they hadn't played all year. Is Derek Carr having as down a year as everyone assumes he is? Yeah, yeah, I, I think. I mean, look, he's he's solid, which I think is what he's always been. Like, it, I've I've always kind of thought he's the 12th to 14th best quarterback on planet Earth. And that's really, really good. Um, it's not probably good enough when, you know, when you're not on a rookie deal, like some quarterbacks are, uh, if you're getting paid to be much better than that, you have to be much better than that. And um, I, I, you know, I don't, I think when he has a really, really good year, he can get up to like, he can get up to like ninth, 10th best and on a down year, maybe 16th, 17th best. But I think he's right around that just at the bottom half of the top half of the league. Uh, is about where he is. And I think that's probably where he is right now. I mean, uh, QBR is kind of a nonsensical stat, but I know people have pointed out he's 10th in QBR, but uh, certainly below that and things like pro football focus and, and some of the other advanced metrics where it would suggest maybe he's like 17, 18, 19. Uh, this season, maybe even a little lower uh, on a week-to-week basis on, on PFF. But um, yeah, I think he's he's fine. He's not the biggest issue, but he's also not solving problems and i think that's that's where a lot of people get lost because you can say hey Derek Carr's not the problem which is true he's not the biggest problem but he also is not good enough to overcome some of those things which you need at some of those high-end high-end quarterbacks and he's just not playing at that type of level i think that's that's the predicament that you find yourselves in where he's probably too good to to think about like just just completely getting rid of him or putting him on the bench but he's not quite good enough to get you over the hump right now so yeah um, it's a really tough spot uh at the Broncos this week uh you and I'll both be there in Denver uh Raiders actually won the first uh first meeting between the two Josh Jacobs went off uh this week Broncos looking at minus three two and a half around town you can get uh one, some of those numbers around town uh had an interesting discussion this morning with someone in terms of who's better off for the future 
Josh McDaniels or Nathaniel Hackett? I I answered Josh McDaniels. Um, they countered with Nathaniel Hackett on the other side because uh, he already has established one side of the ball defensively, and the Raiders haven't established either side of the ball. I still think it's Josh McDaniels in terms of, well, we, I think he's, he's more safe, obviously. We heard what Mark Davis said about him and his comments about Josh McDaniels. Um, but when you hear that in terms of Josh McDaniels and Nathaniel Hackett, who do you think's better off for the future as you look at these rosters? Well, I think that who's better off and who's who's more safer is obviously two different questions. I think Josh McDaniels is safer because of a couple of reasons. First, the financial implications of getting rid of him. And I saw the, the story that they're, quote, cash poor. I don't think that's true. I think Mark Davis has the money to do it if he wanted to, but I think it's more – uh, financially feasible to not get rid of a coach and a GM when you're already paying, some, you know, either they paid a lump sum or they paid uh, in installments to John Gruden, then they'd have to pay also McDaniels and Ziegler and a new coach and a new GM. And I think they're capable of doing it. I think they have the cash to do it. I just don't think that they want to at this point be paying all those people, all that money uh, to not work for the team. So um, I think there is financial or there's financial reasons why they wouldn't move on from Josh McDaniels, why he's safer. Um, who set up better? Maybe I think it is probably the Raiders because they do have some draft picks. The the, the Broncos kind of gave up a lot uh, to get Russell Wilson. They mortgaged a lot of their future to get him. Um, their defense is really, really, really solid, and they've got some young players on defense that that that's very helpful. But if Russell Wilson doesn't get dramatically better in this system, uh, and they've mortgaged the future on him already, that could be an issue. So I I guess. They're in somewhat similar spots, but I do think Josh McDaniels is safer for a couple of those reasons. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think uh, he's safer, and we have not talked about this, you and I, the Mark Davis comments uh, about um, about Josh McDaniels. Um, Mark Davis uh, told me, and, and I want to put it in context here. He said, given where they came from and to where they are going, he thinks he's doing a fantastic job. Um, I think Mark Davis understands they're two and seven. I think he understands nobody likes that. Um, but his comment to me was, you know, we had a coach with a 10 year contract and a 10 year plan. And then Gruden left and, 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 and resigned for the emails and everything we know of. So he's thinking as McDaniels came in um, to kind of settle things down, he, you know, he's doing a fantastic job. I've got a problem with some of that. One, we've talked about it ad nauseum here on this podcast and other places where, you know, it's not like they came in and said they were going to rebuild. When he hired Josh McDaniels, he expected them to go to the playoffs and continue to, you know, go upwards. So, you know, to say where they came and where they're going gives the insinuation to me that there was going to be a rebuilding process. Well, now we know there probably has to be because they're two and seven. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and just on that, on that part of things, like, it's easy to say now, like, hey, we thought, um, you know, we thought that, uh, there was a lot of work to do. We thought that, um, you know, we came in and this was a long-term project and it wasn't supposed to be right right now. And you can say that. And I think it's absolutely true. Like that's my belief that this was a long-term project that they weren't going to be able to do it right away, but that's not how you treated it. You went and signed right. Chandler Jones. You went and signed, you went and signed, you know, traded for Devontae Adams and signed him to an extension. You signed Waller to an extension. You, you locked up all these pieces for right now, not for the future. So you you can say that you thought it was a long-term project, but every behavior you had in the offseason pointed toward it being a win-now situation. Yeah, I, I know. I, I agree with you. And I thought that I think that's why some of those comments people kind of took uh, offense with. I know he told ESPN, Rome is not built on a day. Everyone has switched now up to 
no, this is a building process and we've got to get his own guys in here for the scheme and all that. And I suppose that's what you say when you're two and seven and things have gone, you know, things have gone completely south. I guess that's what you say. But I think anyone who listened early on, you know, takes all that with a grain of salt and kind of, I don't know if they laugh at it, but they certainly scoff at it that this is what the company line is now, given where they started out with this team. Yeah, it's, look, it, it's, I think you should be judged more on your, your actions and your words. And, you know, they could, they could say what they want and they could, um, you know, rewrite what the plan was or the goal was now, but you know, they're coming around now to where, you know, I think you and I were before the season which is, it, it shouldn't be that way. Like we shouldn't be ahead of them in that regard. Uh, they, they are much smarter about football than we are, but somehow we saw it and they didn't, but now they're kind of back to where we were. So I, I you know, I think it's a, it's convenient to say it now. And it's, it's true now. Like they're not even lying about it. Like it is true. It was a long-term project. It was a building project, but that's not how you behave. And it's not what you said, which the, the saying, it doesn't matter. It's the behavior and the behavior was going all in. And that probably was a mistake that they're realizing now. All right. I've got a question for you. We talked about this on my radio show today uh, and yesterday, and it was a question right when we said it, I had to ask you, uh, do you tip in drive-thrus? Oof. I mean, I do consider myself a bit of a ridiculous tipper. Yeah. I, yeah. You, you are a good tipper. Um, and ridiculous is right. I mean, I think, you know, service industry people deserve it. Uh, the drive-through, I feel like, I mean, it's not an, it's not an everyday thing for sure. Uh, like at Starbucks, I usually, I do throw it, up, throw it on the app. Um, and I don't really go to many drive-throughs anymore. I used to, I used to way too much. Um, but I'll say the standard is no, but I do think there's times when the service goes above and beyond where you're like, all right, yeah, I'm going to do this. How can service go above and beyond in a drive-through? Oh, it's like they're, they're, you know, they're say they are like putting your order together and they're about to, cause first of all, I'm, I'm right now saying there's no way you ever worked at a drive-thru. <laughs> no, you're, you? You're, of course, of course I have. Uh, for those in Vegas, the McDonald's at uh, windmill and Eastern, that was, uh, certainly, uh, my, uh, my old stomping grounds. Okay. Uh, where I worked. Okay. Uh, Why would you think I didn't? Come on, man. I'm asking you, why would you think I did? Because I grew up on the mean streets of Laguna Beach. Yeah, we went to modern day. <laughs> okay. Modern day right. kids are not working in the drive-thru. <laughs> okay. So were you were you did you give great service enough to where you expected tips through McDonald's no. back in the day? I was, I was terrible. I was gonna go a little inside baseball and tell you things that I did to get out of working, but you wouldn't understand because you never had a job. Um, oh, I had jobs, baby. I worked for the sure. Laguna Beach Recreation Department. Yeah, I swept fields, chalked fields, and watered them. I, I did a lot of stuff. Yeah, sounds real tough. Yes. Uh, so, so um, what I would do is there was two windows, if people are familiar with that location. And uh, I would often go to the person in the other window and say, hey, look, I'm helping unload a, a truck right now. So you got to take all cars. And then just go in the back break room and like watch a, watch a game. Oh, <laughs> you didn't deserve no. any tips no but i would say like there's times where obviously the the service is like very exemplary and then a time where like if you say you ordered something and it was wrong and they were about to hand you the bag and they said oh no wait i think they just got this order wrong and they fixed it for you um those, so, those sorts of things i think there's 
there's ways to to have really really good service. I mean, I, I've often said the and uh, some of our friends can back this up because we it used to be one of our favorite subjects. The greatest worker I've ever seen at any job was the <laughs> a gentleman that worked at a, a a short-lived and I think they're gone a short-lived Italian fast food place called Fazoli's. Okay. He was the greatest service worker anybody has ever encountered. Like uh, it was drive through or non drive through. No, it was, I mean, there was, I don't, I think there was a drive through, but when you would go in there and sit down and he would just, he would go to every table, check on you, bring you, you know, Hey, do you need this? You need this. And then in between, you know, taking customers and uh, you know, working the register. And I mean, the guy was unbelievable. I think he was like 16. He was just like a, a dynamo in the customer <laughs> service industry. Hopefully he's running a company now or something. Uh, but I mean, those things, they'll stand out. Like you remember, uh, that you get really good service like that. So yes, but I would say this: if they put an actual cup in the drive-through window and say tips, nah, not happening. No, um, my co-host uh, it was brought up because he was handed a drink through a drive-through, and the question was, "Would you like to tip?" No, absolutely not. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, I, 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 the other thing that's hard with tipping nowadays is, you know, you know me, I, I've got no cash. So if they hand your card back, I'm not going to hand it back to them and say, put a couple bucks on there for you. If you're not, you, you work in cash a lot more than I do. No, I don't. You don't? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm always card. Or actually, I'm mostly usually Google Pay. Yeah, you got, you got very depressed with me because I gave you a check recently. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> like I don't even know. You gotta find a pen and sign this thing. Yes, I, I did. You did you go to the bank to cash it, or did you do it with your phone? Phone. Okay. All right. I wanted you to have to go to the bank, go in there, somehow, somehow find your checking account number, write it on the back, sign sign the back of the check. That would have been that would have been hilarious to see. You're the worst. Uh, who 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 even has checks? I wouldn't even know how. Uh, there's a couple of things I've had to pay with a check in the last couple of years, and I have to go to the bank and like get them to write out a check. Yes. yes. Nuts. No, we get boxes delivered at the house. We got boxes of checks around this place. You have clowns on them? Uh I don't uh, well they're they're uh the wife, so you, you got the most up-to-date one. I used to I, I did I did there was a there was a time way back when I had clowns on them. Yes, that was a uh, Seinfeld. Jer- Jerry had a clown and he and then he bounced the check at the bodega and they put it up. Oh, that's right. No, I, yeah. I had crazy I had crazy that's, drawings on mine and stuff like that. That's the, back uh, in the day. That's the, that's the little Jerry episode. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the other episode was when he bounced the checks to his grandma. Well, he, no, she bounced the checks to him. She, she bounced. Oh, she bounced the checks to him. Nana. Nana yeah. gave him five dollar checks or something like that. And yeah. Kramer said, yeah. "You know, you're making your nana mad. You've got to cash these." Yes. And then, and then she bounced the checks. And then she had to go to the bank, and the bank was gone. Yes, that's beautiful. And she goes down the street, and we think she's going to get mugged. And the guy goes, "No, no, no. You got to go up here." Oh, yes, beautiful. Yes, it was a very solid, solid episode. If you've never seen it, watch it on Netflix. It's out there. Uh, all right, Wait, buddy. Are you are you giving a recommendation on Seinfeld? You think people there's people that haven't heard of Seinfeld? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they they've maybe heard of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's people out there who haven't seen it. That well, wouldn't surprise you, me. Okay, no, I agree with you, but I think you've made up your mind at this point if you're going to watch it or not. Me or other yeah. oh other folks. I think a person in general has decided at this point if they want to watch Seinfeld, they've probably watched it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Although I, 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 I've got people who 
definitely did not embrace it and think it was as great as you and I did. Uh, sure. that just, just never got it, never understood it, never understood yes. the humor. People Which, that are not funny or yes. are not intelligent or no. in some cases are female. Oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it, that's not a slight. On, I mean, that's not a... I, I just think it's a it's a show that look i know a lot of females that love seinfeld but i do think that there is a a certain element that are like that's just a dumb boy show that people will say i could see that and yeah. there's a lot of guys i know who are who who just like you and i are um fascinated by it and loved every minute of it and uh i don't you're, you're actually i didn't even think of it this way because my wife uh she said you know when I'd watch one episode uh, when it was first out, I might have laughed, but I can't believe how many times you guys have watched this th- these many episodes. She just doesn't understand that. I watched an epi- episode yesterday and laughed. I'll tell you this right now. I'm getting on a plane for Denver to go watch the Raiders and Broncos this weekend in about four hours. I will watch an episode of Seinfeld on the plane. <laughs> you will? That I've seen a thousand times and I'll watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right there with you on Netflix. That and Friday Night Lights. I started that one over. It's not going over well at the house. I started Very Friday good. Night Lights over. Uh, uh, enjoyed it. Well, I'll, I'll see you in Denver. Um, I'll see you on Saturday in Denver, and we'll both be at the game on Sunday. And we'll be back here next week to tell you what happened then, uh, whether it's two and eight or three and seven. Travel safe, my friend. Yes, that's sir, you too. That's going to do for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casinos, ST and Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. Remember, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. Find all that coverage and more at VegasNation.com. For our producer, Larry Meir, and my co-host, Adam Hill, I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week about the Bronco game. Vegas. Get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today